Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm the bald soprano. <laughs> this week, we're looking at season five, episode three, Halloween, in which the spookiest thing of all, a drunk Niles, threatens to out Roz's big secret. Steve, what's the best Halloween, I should say, the bald soprano, what's the <laughs> best Halloween costume you've ever dressed up in? And also, for those listening at home, I want them to get in touch. And Corey, who is Halloween master, I want him to tell us as well. Um, I'm actually hoping that maybe uh, Frasier fan club founder Austin Cooper might listen to this episode. If not, I'm going to send him the link because he's a massive horror fan, a massive film fan. So he might get in touch. I know he's dressed up several Halloweens and put in a lot of effort in the past. So that'll be interesting. For me... um, I used to be in a horror rock band similar to what a lot of people would know as like the Misfits. So we were like a British version of the Misfits. Um, so we did used to dress up quite a lot for, I'd say like certain events, things like Valentine's Day would be a good one, obviously a horror rock band. Um, but obviously we used to do Halloween as well. I have done Halloween as a vicar. Wow. <laughs> as Father a Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not a name, not a name. Um, yeah, I've done it as a vicar. I've done it as a schoolgirl. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all the classic sort of let's, you know, wear the makeup, horror sort of style face, blood from the eyes, all that sort of thing, and just dress up as funny characters, really, mm. for, for gigs and stuff. And, yeah, we did the uh, Halloween, uh, no, the sorry, the Valentine's Day massacre sort of thing. So nice. um, dressed up as film stars from horror films for, for Valentine's Day as well. So, yeah, that's, that was always good fun. But obviously I have to ask you the same question because I believe your birthday is on Halloween, isn't it? I was, yeah. I, well, thank you for memory, Steve. <laughs> I was going to say, if you hadn't remembered, it's like, what do you think the connection myself and this episode have is? Um, but yeah, I was born, I think about six minutes before midnight on Halloween. So right at the, <laughs> right, spooky, right near the witch hour um never really got the chance to dress up as uh, in a cool costume as much as i'd like in fact one thing i'm going to get onto is god i wish i was invited to a literature themed halloween party because that just sounds incredible um i think the most i ever most kind of effort i ever went to was probably about oh, eight years ago and i think i went as harry potter um and i don't know i've I put the round glasses on, the cape, the the tie actually gave off a bit of a Harry Potter vibe. So um you would have been quite tall for a Harry Potter. Maybe a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was it was fun all the same. Um, and yes, I, I didn't look too bad, but I just think it's great, you know. A lot of people give people that enjoy Halloween a hard time. And I think, why the hell would you not just celebrate another day of the year where people just get to go nuts and, and dress up? Going back to how I was in the band, I must admit, when we used to dress up like that, it was like a state, it made it more of a stage performance. We were almost like Kiss. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. When you're doing something like that in that makeup and you're not you and you're not recognizable, it makes it a lot more fun because you become a character. Yeah. And then obviously it is like Kiss without the makeup. As soon as you've taken that off and you're out and, and people go, oh, you're that guy from that band or whatever. And you think, well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, you don't look the same in it, in it. It's very, very different. But trying to put, on a performance without that makeup on is like literally I'm not that person anymore. Mm. I can't play the same. It, it felt it felt weird. So yeah, costumes and dressing up. I mean, as we see from this episode, it's it's definitely brings out some character of people, doesn't it? You know, people like Kelsey as Fraser in this very much adapt 
to who they're going to play. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I think that's a really good point about kind of adding a bit of uh, showmanship. Um, you know, Fraser doesn't know a tool thing about showmanship. Um, to the uh, yeah, to, to, to the fact when you're in costume and you're on stage, and how I wish I could have seen you perform um, and come to one of your shows because that just it sounds like you guys rocked out. It was a long time ago, and <laughs> far far away. <laughs> um, shall we took ourselves into trivia corner this week? Yes, as long as if I get any wrong, you're not going to smite me with the back of your scenery right hand. But... I'll try not to, my <laughs> juicy compatriot, um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Don't have me running for my water pills. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we've been sent in some trivia, of course, from our, from the lovely people over in the, uh, the trivia group chat, organised as always by MK and Hammy. So I'm going to open this week with Hammy's for you, Steve. Question one. Bulldog dresses as Waldo from Where's Waldo. In New Zealand, it's Where's Wally. But what do we call our Maori equivalent of this? <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> oh, do you know what? When Hammy messaged the other day, and obviously for, for listeners, he hasn't told me what the questions are. He said, I'm really excited for this week's questions. Oh, I my God. had a lump in my throat. Of, oh, dear God, I'm not excited for these questions. So I'll give you a clue. It's Where's, and then it's it is a... It's a name you will have heard, and it is a name that appears in a Frasier episode. Um, I can't say any more than that, and it only ever appears once. There's only ever one character in the whole run of Frasier with this name. So instead of Where's Waldo or Where's Wally, it's Where's... Yes, and there is a character who appears in one episode with this name. That's the best clue I can give you, because it's hard. Do you know what? I'm going to have to literally almost tap out, but I'm going to use Matthew because Blaine Sternen uses Matthew. <laughs> I thought you were about to say it and nearly passed out. It's where's Manu, the Maori? Oh, um, no. uh, if I remember correctly, Manu is from the focus group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. That's a, I real, never would have got that. <laughs> a real zinger coming out of the gates there from, from Hammer. Why is the pointy hat so important to Frasier when he is mingling at the party? I believe it's because it's a babe magnet. Absolutely. It's proving to be a babe magnet. What do we see in this episode for the first time in the series that ends up being a very important talking piece for this show? What a lovely question this is. If I'm going down the right lines, mm. it's something that I did unfortunately happen to look up and see on IMDb earlier. I think it's the Chihuly makes its first appearance. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. As if yeah, you've like, thought to look that the up. The frog switched out. Yeah. Mm. So the frog never comes back now, never returns. I think we see it in uh, what's Frog-tales? the one? Tales? No, no. Well, you might do. There's mm. the episode where Fraser goes back to private practice, the frog scene in the background on a bookshelf. Yeah. Is that the one where he and Niall share the office? Um, it's the one where he learns that trick from his dad with undoing his belt and falling over on the woman. Is it Marriage Returns? Oh my god, yes, yeah, Yeah. oh yes, that one, that episode. The frog's in the background on a bookshelf in that one, but yeah, sorry, Hammy, I did unfortunately look up that piece of don't apologize. You knew the answer, (laughs) cracking question as well. You got two out of three, it's a good question, pretty good going. Trivia from Little Bobby Briscoe something is different at the Montana apartment starting this episode. What is it different about the Montana? Yeah, this is really good, actually. Uh, this is a brilliant question. Um, and it's kind of one where you think, oh, yeah, when you hear it. Um, I know something that's the same about the Montana. Babies mm. in it. The bird appears twice in it. How episode. about, given you have given me that little tidbit, I tell you 
it involves baby. Baby is linked um, to this change. Honestly, loving the trivia this week. This is seriously gold, golden to you. Bobby Briscoe's upped his game, I think. He has. It involves baby. Yeah. Baby is only see she doesn't make a noise. She's she's silent. She's quiet on her perch in the kitchen. Yes. Why is she quiet on her perch in the kitchen? I don't know, because the voice actor's not. (laughs) 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 No, come on. Why is she quiet? Um, Oh, something's changed. The doorbell sound changes. The doorbell sound gone has the buzzer. Yeah. used to set off baby it now makes the more traditional ding dong sound yeah, yeah. phenomenal question there trivia from run for your life we learn from bulldog in this episode that he'll be attending the halloween party as waldo from where's waldo of course we know that as where's wally in the uk would Can you I like in with manu <laughs> manu oh my god would you like to i think you would like to hazard a guess at the danish french and german names <laughs> this is so good if you don't get any of these i think you should give us a demonstration of that guy who you can't find because he blends into the crowd oh very good very i should good i should know them all he's in 16 books i'm really well read um this is a cracking question okay so the, den- the danish danish german, french and german the french and the german names you know them. They're, one of them is very common. Um, one of them you will know for other reasons. The Danish one's very hard, and I don't think you'll ever get in a million. Right, I'm going to go straight in with the Danish one. It's going to be Henrik. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to get it again, then. <laughs> Holger. No. Holger. No, I wouldn't have got Holger. So um, let's go France next. What, a common French name? I'm not going to say it's a common French name. I'm just going to say it's a common name. In fact, it's a common English name. Right. Well, I've got a dog named Henri, but I doubt it's going to be Where's Henri? Because that... Oh, oh, Henri. Uh, <laughs> <Chez> Henri. <laughs> um, There's your O'Henry story. Purely based on, and I won't mention why I know what they're for, for the trouble that they caused... Purely for Charlie Hebdo, I'm going to go with Charlie. Steve, that is absolutely incredible because it's Charlie. Do you know why I guessed that? Purely why? because that's the only thing that I can think of that made a load of cartoons, and I don't know why I've put Oh, my God, together. that's a really good point, yeah. It's the only thing I can think of that's French that done anything to do with art. I have they, they, might, they might literally have nothing to do with that series. and that They is... probably don't. That's yeah, but the only French connection of name and cartoon that I've got. That is head. that's stunning, honestly. And now you know Amy's why I can't be... mention why I know them because of obviously the political cartoon that they drew, which caused yeah, yeah. massive issues. Of course. But if not, if without those issues, I wouldn't even know that the magazine exists. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've never heard of them. Um, amazing. Do you want to take a stab at the German one? I'll say uh, it's a name you know from a popular TV show that I'm fairly confident you've watched and enjoyed. It's not a comedy. So it's not Harry Enfield's Jürgen the German, then. <laughs> um, common German name that I'm going to know. Um, I, I would I'd say this is probably quite common in German, but you don't hear it and think, oh, it's definitely a German name. Your, your brain won't hear this and think of Germany. Your brain will hear this name and immediately think of one TV show. Or at least I think it will. It will if you tell me. I'm going to go with Klaus. I think that's a standard German. That's a good joke. It's Walter. No, I wouldn't have gone. 
I'm thinking Walter White, Breaking Bad. Yeah. No, I love um, that. I wouldn't, wouldn't have picked Walter as a German name. I don't know. Think. I think it may be in Germany. It's a Volter. Volter. Yeah. Um, but uh, an absolutely stunning question there. And now to bring this particular section to a close from Finkelman Delighted. When Roz is dishevelled at work, how many pumpkins are in their are there in their combined booths? So how many oh. pumpkins across both booths? Really lovely question, this. Why do I never count this stuff? Um I'm gonna guess. I did I'd looked at them and I actually wrote down pumpkins in booth earlier as a note to discuss with you the Halloween decorations in the, in the nice, actual set. Nice. Did I count them? No, I didn't. Um just to give you a, a rough benchmark, and I hope Finkelman delighted doesn't mind. I'm gonna say there's one in Fraser's booth. All right, I'm gonna go with five. I reckon four in Roses. As Ken Bruce would say on Potmaster, you're <laughs> one year out. It's six in Roses booth, oh, wow. one in Fraser's, which brings us to a grand total of seven. Oh, An excellent five. opening to quest, uh, trivia corner there. Take it away. It's Steve. what a mixed bag. Well. Will, for you this week, I've decided I'm going to give you questions on literature oh. and questions on the show, because oh, I wow. feel that as a man that lives a life around literature and <laughs> qualified as a doctor based on literature <laughs> and stories and books, I feel like with this episode, you need questions on literature. I'm going to give you three points for every question you get right on literature, and there's five. Okay. Each one you get right, there is a bonus question that is just based on this episode. Okay. You can score 20 points in Trivia Corner. Oh, my week. God. I'm so excited and scared. Are you tucked in and ready for your I first so question in. of Trivia Corner Halloween special? I'm so ready, Steve. <laughs> Take it away. Right. Question number one, literature. Yeah. Gil appears dressed as Chingachgook from The Last of the Mohicans. Who wrote that book? I believe it was James Fenimore Cooper. Brilliant. Absolutely yes. Spot we're going, on. we're going. Three points. So your bonus question about this show is, mm. who is the guest caller that voices Dorothy? Oh, so Dorothy is Ross's manicurist. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't necessarily recognise her voice, but if I said probably very famous 90s model, sort of Vogue supermodel kind of style. So not like an actress. No. Oh, okay, because initially I was going to say Sharon Stone. I don't know why. No, um, very, very, very popular in the 90s and definitely model of... I don't think Kate Moss would have been on Frasier. So I'm going to just guess Elle McPherson. That's not right either. She's not Australian for stars. No, it's Cindy Crawford. Oh, my God. Of course, of course. Back to literature. Here we go. Lord Peter Whimsey is a detective in a series of novels by which author? Dorothy L. Sayers. Correct, Will. Yes. Three points. <laughs> Your bonus question on the episode is, yes. how many wigs does Maris have in her wig vault? Oh. I, I can't remember if, if Nas says you have over 20 or if he says 20-something. In my specific number. In my head... <sighs> These, these aren't my answers. In my head, I've got 24 or 26. I'm going to say 26. Wrong again. It's 37. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> I was really way off. Wow, 37 wigs. So back to literature we go. Here we go. This will, this will test you a lot, I think, because I had to listen to the episode. 
In October 21, John Beale and I joined you for a We're Listening podcast Halloween special. We discussed dressing as literary characters for Niles' party. Who did I say I'd go as and from which book? I think you said you'd go as Holden Caulfield from The Catcher in the Rye. Correct. Yes, man. Ah, I had to listen to that episode yesterday to double check. I actually said that as an Really? (laughs) Oh, my God, man. Well, at least you know I was listening when you were talking. (laughs) Oh, here we go. On the show. On IMDb, what is the rating for this episode out of 10? Ooh, okay. So knowing how IMDb normally works, above nine is amazing. Between eight and nine is really good. I reckon this is going to be high eight point something. I'm going to say 8.8. You are 0.2 out. It's nine out of 10. Oh, nine. Well, I think very much deserved. Let's get Must admit, you're doing very, very well on the literature. We just need to get the ones on the show. Yeah, it's always the episode. (laughs) Question four from literature. Can you name the literary characters the main cast attend the party dressed as? And I'm also including Bulldog, Gill and Roz. Okay, O from the story of O. Correct. Waldo. Correct. From Where's Waldo? Chinkachkuk from The Last of the Mohicans. Correct. Pete, Lord Peter Whimsy from The Bon Vivant Sleuth. No, guess it's Sherlock Holmes <laughs> by Arthur Conan Doyle. Correct. Um, Fraser goes as Geoffrey Chaucer of The Canterbury Tales. Correct. Nars goes as Serrano de Bergerac. Um, Correct. I can't. I don't actually know if that's like an opera or a play or a classic piece of literature authored by someone. I've never actually. I'm not Cyrano de Bergerac or. Yeah, that's Serrano. correct. But I couldn't tell you where it comes yes, from. Yes, because they've just released a film. So just uh, Daphne and, left. And Daphne is the wife of Bath. Also correct. from Canterbury Tales. For another three points. So, mm. question four about the show: Who okay. played Eve in this episode? God damn it, you met you literally said the name the other day. <laughs> I know that she's the current, as of the fil- airing of that episode, wife of Kelsey Grammer. At the um, time of the episode, yes, she was. Something grammar. Something grammar. Um oh my god. I think it begins with a K. No. Or a K sound, yeah. A K, a K. <laughs> Camilla. It's Camille, but Camille, I, I did okay. actually say and correct myself last week of Camille was Camilla. I did say Camilla, so oh. I'll give you that one. Well done. Mm. So your final question in literature is, in which year was the French erotic novel, The Story of O, written? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I've looked this up before, but off the back of this episode, because I'd never heard about it. Um and I I'm can't not surprised rem- if you haven't read it, to be I, honest. I haven't read it. I can't remember if the if I saw 19th century or very like early 20th. Or I'm going to say 1942. Oh, you're 12 years out, 1954. Oh, my God. I, I didn't think 54 might have flashed across the face of my mind a minute ago. You have one question left in the show. Oh. I'll give you this one because you've, you've actually got four to get the bonus questions, but you've got that one wrong. But we'll go on to it. Give so it question me. five about this episode is, where does Martin say Sherry is? Visiting her mother in prison. Wrecked. Yes. Oh. Fourteen out of 20. I'll take Steve. <laughs> what an unbelievable set of questions that was. I mean, I wish you could do that every week, but people would get so bored. Because Why would there be <laughs> literature questions every week? Um, that was so good. Thank you so much for the effort you put in there. And I hope everyone listening at home was playing along because that was some really good stuff. That was um, good fun. Really great. So MK for you, Steve, are you ready? 
off for another grilling. Go on. <laughs> Here we go. Question one. During the KACLC, well, you'll, you'll know a bit of this already. What are the names of the three callers? What lines are they on? And why are they calling? So Dorothy's at one of them. Yes. I don't think they give a line for her, do they? They do. Oh, God. Right, let me go back to the other two first, because I'm going to try and work this out. The first two I remember, the bloke's names are Bill and Ted, because I remember Bill and Ted's Amazing Adventure or whatever the film is, and it's wow. called Bill and Ted. I don't know yeah. if that's relevant to the uh, to the films or not, but that's... Do, do we know if Keanu and I can't remember the name of the other guy voiced them? No, 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 they don't. I don't they don't voice them. Um, is it... Bill's feeling disconnected. Oh, sorry. Neither of them talk, do they? No, no, no. Uh, Bill, uh, Ted is feeling disconnected. Ted feeling disconnected. But I'll give Bill, you. Bill is. I can't remember what he's doing, but when he comes through, it's Dorothy, and he says, "I believe he's past that point, or something like that." Is it transitioning right. to something? He's, else? he's going through a difficult transition. Yeah, and I think then Fraser thinks he's becoming a woman. Yes, and the lines. Oh. And obviously, you know that Dorothy's making an appointment with Roz. You know, everybody spoke about that. Right. I do not know who's on what line, but I'm going to go with one, two, and four. Oh my God, it is one, two, and four. <laughs> now you've got to try and put together who's on No, I on can't. What. I have no idea. I just okay. know there wasn't a three in it. When I watched it earlier, there wasn't a three in it and they didn't go any higher. So I know it's one, two, and four, but I could not tell you who's on what. Ted um, is on line four. Bill is on line one. Dorothy is on line two. A really excellent, excellent. Uh, stab at that question there bonus follow-up to dorothy oh, in the context of this episode what's ironic slash unusual about the writers selecting this name for the manicurist what's ironic about dorothy it's maybe don't maybe don't think too hard on this one we've maybe talked about it i can't i can't think of why she'd be a manicurist or if there's something it's to... not sorry the irony is not in her occupation it's more about you choosing right. that name reference to the wizard of oz horror film i mean i was just thinking that it that's another literary reference but it was just simply that dorothy l sayers was the author oh, of, of lord peter whimsey yeah um, i was wondering yeah i don't know why i went to well i went to wizard of oz because like you say i thought maybe it was book related and that's where he's picking that up from no i, I definitely think there's an, another little bit of uh of literature going on there uh, question two, given the theme of the Halloween party, which of the trick-or-treaters might have Niles actually let in? Oh, this is good. This is good. Given the theme of the Halloween party, which if of I'm... the trick-or-treaters might have Niles actually let in? If I'm this... going down is... Corey's thought process, I'm going to think he's going to go with Dracula, but I'd say you wouldn't let Dracula in. Because you have to invite him in, don't you? I initially... or he can't come in unless you invite him in, Dracula. He can't come in unless you invite him. Yes, but I mean, I don't want to steer you toward or away from that answer. Is Dracula going to be your? Answer? I think Dra I think Dracula's where Corey's going because he's the one that you'd have to invite in. You know what? Dracula is correct, and I think Corey just simply meant because Dracula is a character from literature. Of course, um, of course. <laughs> but my mind had also went to the fact about the vampire and the fact you have to be invited in. So there's like two levels going on there, which makes it even more that's fun for really, us. I actually thought that's where Corey was going, that that would be yeah. the one you have to invite in, not because of the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, end credits question. What costumes are the last two people to leave the party wearing? And what's ironic about it? 
Oh, these are this is a really good question. Gil leaves with a man with a hump in his back, which I believe was probably going to be uh, Quasimodo. Never since Quasimodo on the streets of Paris. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I know that I think Eve leaves, but I can't remember who with or in which order. I, I, I'm going to go with Gil and Quasimodo, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why that's relevant. The answer is Satan and Eve because oh, of the Garden of Eden temptations. Yes, um, that's just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And finally, this week, from Niall Crane, when Niles is on the phone to Maris at the party, he walks into the kitchen. How many glasses of champagne do we see on the table? And weirdly, because I'm normally way off with Niall's um, kind of visual things, I did take a little bit of a note of this, though I'm not sure I would have fully remembered. But I was looking. If He's looking for the number. He is. Yeah, I didn't look at the number. Once again, I need to start counting everything that comes on. <laughs> one Ros, three one of the- It's not hard. Just count it all. I noticed the champagne flutes, but I didn't notice how many. The reason I noticed it because I thought Grog and Mead wouldn't be served in a champagne flute. And he keeps saying that he's only serving Grog and Mead. So mm. why the champagne flutes at all? Like, confuse me. But six. <laughs> you know what? I, I thought it was six. The answer's four, but only three of them have champagne in them. One of them is empty. Uh, um, so really, really cracking. Noel stuff. remains the uh, master of. The visual, yeah, visual questions definitely certainly does. Um, I think the trivia corner group have outdone themselves this week, as have you, (laughs) as have you, Steve, with those questions. Probably one of my favorite trivia corners of all time. So, uh, really great stuff, fun, but I'm not sure if it's just the heat in here. I should get a fan that oscillates really, but I am dying of sweat right now, (laughs) honestly. Trivia corner can do that to any man, so don't even worry. Well, Um, thanks everyone for those questions because that was a hell of a test, absolutely. And thank you as well. Shall we get into the review? Let's go. Animation watch, what was it, please? You may remember in October 2021, we discussed it, <laughs> and I was really annoyed that there were balloons then as well. <laughs> yes, the much ballyhooed balloons. Um, we we hate the balloons, as always. The balloons. Listeners know we hate them. Listeners probably hate them too. We don't like the balloons. It's just, again, it's, I mean, I know we, we touched upon this when me, you and John did. We didn't review Halloween, did we? We sort of had a bit of a touch on Halloween. Yeah, ever. we talked about it a little bit. I'm not going to go through that, but obviously we did mention that why didn't they use more of the, the sort of pumpkin, thunderstrikes, all these sort of things that they could have done no, for man. Halloween. How disappointing to literally have the same three or four clip art balloons that float up behind. Maybe it's just because there's a party in the episode. Maybe there's some relevance in that, but... Mm. Let's get off the title card because it's just disappointing. Let's get off. And not to toot my own horn, but I really did love the name of that interview episode that we did when I called it Zoom Full of Heroes. That one was clever, but I did also like We Three Kings, the Christmas one we did. That was good. That was really good. I like that one. You really outdid yourself. That was some good stuff. It's just fun, isn't it? Coming up with Fraser puns. Um, Pip, Pip, Lord Peter Whimsey is at the door. Um, not read anything by, by Dorothy L. Sayers. Didn't really know about peter whimsy before this episode um till i first saw this episode you know probably about yeah. 10 years ago now um are you a fan of like detective it's not fiction? really yeah not really my kind of thing unfortunately mm. maybe if it was made into a tv show would yeah. peter whimsy be i mean and personally i wouldn't go anywhere i have to tell people i think name. it probably was a show 
Yeah, I'd imagine it was. Same with the Sherlock Holmes things. Obviously, over time, they've made the books and then they've just developed them into films, TV series, etc. like that. So I'm sure somewhere along the lines, the detective Peter Whimsey is probably out there somewhere. Mm. Does sound a bit like a Sherlock Holmes sort of character, doesn't he, though? It does a little bit. Um, and a bit like Agatha Christie-esque as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, mm. by which I mean I love the, the Conan Doyle stories. Don't haven't really seen any of the films, not the TV adaptation, both of which are very popular and, and well within their own rights to be so. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good. I'm just not a fan personally. Um, but uh, I just adore Sherlock Holmes. I've got like a big, big like collection of everything that Conan Doyle yeah. published um, up, on, up on the shelf there. They're just so cozy to read, around, especially around Halloween. Um, yeah. They're just like the proper kind of cozy... Uh, little stories and they're so clever as well you just think like how to, how did Conan Doyle write these things they're just amazing it's so, also um, something I've, I presume that the Fraser writers were very keen on um, purely because of things like oh, I'm sure Lady Baskerville will be home soon when they've got the hands in, in that sort of episode this, yeah. this is the only thing that they've obviously mentioned Sherlock or Conan Doyle in so there's definitely another sort of tip of the hat to, to classic writing and obviously classic literature in this episode, which is obviously flooded with literary references. So Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it's, it's not their first time here. Um, yeah, I've, my bullet point next was simply that I wish I was invited to parties where I dress up as people from literature more often. It's not some, <laughs> that's not an invite I've received up to now. It's one that I hope comes my way. Well, I think um, maybe there's a problem there that you should be hosting the party. I, as, yeah, maybe. As, as Dr. Carroll, maybe it should be you inviting. Dr. Carroll presents literature. I, I think I might do that, you know. I think maybe for like my 40th or something. Maybe I'll, maybe if, if I get there. But you've would, got 14 maybe. years to plan it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, loads of time. No rush. Know, get my costume ready. <laughs> I don't know why I said my 40th, but yeah, that really has given me plenty of time. Um, Fraser and Daphne cozying up now, kind of the start of some immense kind of dramatic irony classic um what's the word i'm looking for um not like misinterpretation but like it's, what is for me it's a massive setup for a farce this yeah, set farce, you know, one of the kacl just to build a little bit more these two first scenes are so short but enough just to tell people who they're going to be yeah where the confusion's coming what the problem's going to be you know you've got sort of two two minute scenes and then bang we're at the party for the rest of the episode and let's see what happens but yeah i mean i i I agree with you i don't know what the word is but yeah i mean this is very much scene setting isn't it is the setup before the main gag yeah um which again i think we've pointed out before this was actually written i've no it's written by susan martin and as another female directed by pamela fryman Mm. Um, two names i'm not massively familiar with um but what an episode they've brought because again it's got that sort of farcical element you think joe keenan um casey lee lloyd do you i mean you think that all the big names are going to be involved actually it's not it's um two minor minor writers and directors that i would not have put against an episode which i'll actually you know classify as quite a classic iconic episode oh yeah for sure it's it's nice to see that it kind of getting mixed up a little bit Mm. um kind of changed up behind the scenes um you see yeah they're they're kind of cozying up much to niles kind of amusement here he thinks Something went on in that motel room um, <laughs> after a visit to a microbrewery. I mean, it just—it's it, a bit of a strange setup for me because I don't know why Fraser and Daphne would even go to that in the first place, let alone together in lieu of Martin coming along. 
Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is that Martin and Daphne were actually going to go. Martin yeah. had to rub calamine lotion on Eddie's belly because he's been the poison oak again, apparently. Okay. Okay. Um, to which Fraser obviously must have said, Do you know what, Daphne? Let's not waste this gift or whatever. Although I did wonder, is this part of the gift horse? Did Niall send him to a microbrewery instead of getting those box sets sent? Yeah, through? that is literally what went through my head. We've gone from the microbrewery sending them out to suddenly a trip to a microbrewery in the next episode. Is it connected or is it just me putting two and two together and probably making nine? But yeah, the microbrewery is a weird one. Daphne getting drunk. Does Daphne get paid to be drunk with Fraser? It is her employer. She's <laughs> yeah, now not a physical therapist. She's a tour guide to microbreweries. Tour guide. <laughs> it, really, it did cross my mind about previous episode. And I mean, the writers never let slip this much, but could it be they forgot? what the gift was in gift horse yeah and have... again written to be later in the season and then they've chopped it about and sort of actually said let's bring this forward and it just happens to fall right yeah. after an episode about martin's birthday so yeah you know we know that happens occasionally obviously the rest of the storyline that comes from this with Ros's pregnancy um can't be moved around in the episodes but yeah did this one get brought forward because of whatever else also martin's birthday is referenced as being in sort of may time isn't it several mm. times well, it's now october i mean we've really sped through that that year yeah five months in one episode that's true So yeah this season sort of jumps quite quickly into into later in the year definitely that um, is very true We've got some brilliant lines, though, I must admit. I like uh, the amount going to and fro in between Daphne and Fraser, only for Martin to say, yeah, it's been ye olde laugh, right? <laughs> That's so good. That's so and, good. Um, and obviously we've quoted them. one of my favourite lines in the episode. We've quoted many times when we've done Listener Mail, which is my juicy wench. Oh, my I hope you're not happy she's running for her water, water pills. Oh, my God. Just so, so brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to get to some even better lines later, but there's some brilliant ones here. Um, Marta beating the centrepiece to death with a broom. Are <laughs> you arachnophobic, Steve? How, how would you rate your arachnophobia? Zero being you'd let a tarantula crawl on your face. Ten being... If you see a household spider, you have to literally run screaming out of the room. Where do you fall? It's got to be about a six. I think if there's a, you know, we get harvest spiders this time of year, they all come out of the fields. Oh, God. I mean, they're quite terrifying in a way. They're massive, great big things. But having a tarantula on my face, like, is it Joe? It's not Joe Pesci, is it? Who's the uh, actor in? uh, Oh, um, Daniel Stern, Marv. Yeah, when he has that on his face. <laughs> Honest <laughs> to God. Or is it on Joe Pesci's face and then he whacks Joe Pesci with the crow? I can't remember which way around it. Harry, Harry, stay still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking up harvest spiders and they're absolutely horrible. They're called harvest men. Yeah. And they, they literally walk around with hobnail boots on like they are men. They're, they're, <laughs> they just feel like they're massive. That's, uh, all, that's a quick sweep out the front door. Little money spiders, not too bothered. In fact... You won't be able to see it. There's one up here. There's this little tiny spider, and I feel like Niles. He's not in his corner. Um, that's been living <laughs> in my bedroom for about two weeks. He's quite happy. He sort of moves up and down the ceiling, and I just think he's not doing anything. I'll leave him there. Yeah, that's the thing, because spiders are genuinely brilliant things to have around, because they just kill and eat all the flies, and they really do do us a solid. But they are so terrifying to me. I hate them. Um, yeah, like I, say, know, I think if, I'm about a six. Where are you on that scale? Then? I am probably 7.5, I reckon. I'm not too scared of them that are like, I, you know, if, if there's a giant one in like my mom, mom and dad's room, you know, my, only my mom's in or something, or there's one in Charlotte's room, I'll I'll go in and get it, you know. I'm not, you have to I'm, brave it up. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like, come on, 
You could uh, do this. this. Nothing's too big. I can get that out of here. <laughs> he goes, oh. <laughs> and I go in there and it's like the size of she love from Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, really, really don't like them. But, you know, I can tackle them if needs be. And I've had some big ones in this house, like big house spiders in the last six months. And there was one the other day. I brought my trainer down on it so hard that you'd think like a gun went off, um, like the sound of it hitting the wooden floor. Um Needless to say, there was nothing left when did, I was finished. Did anyone in the household run in and say, is it too much not to expect gunplay <laughs> in this living room? Oh, I'm sorry, was that snippy? <laughs> um, listeners, please let us know if you're arachnophobic. And, and on our scale, which is very non-scientific, you know, where do you fall? Um, Chaucer, so we've got Fraser dressed as, as Chaucer and, and, and Daphne as the wife of Bath. Um, not read the Canterbury Tales, um, only read bits and bobs, but I just think it's a brilliant concept for how old it is. So for anyone who isn't familiar, um, I think essentially they're, they're going on a big walk um, and their destination is this pub, um, which I can't remember what its name is, in, in Canterbury, I think. But basically it's like a contest and all the people that are on the walk have to tell a story um, and the person who tells the best story will like win some kind of prize at the end of it when they get to the pub. And so each story, like The Wife of Bath, which is the most famous one because it's a little bit saucy, it's about, you know... Uh, I think roughly about like a woman who is sexually dissatisfied with her husband. And um, I, I, I could be misremembering it completely, um, but it's something I've been meaning to get around to reading, you know, despite its age, 700 years old or whatever, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, still got some good translations out there that make it very readable. It's also, I presume it's another way of Fraser interpreting how intelligent he is, how well-read he is, and obviously how much of an Anglophile he is. He loves British things, doesn't he? So I presume that's another way of shoehorning that in, that Fraser's incredibly intelligent and obviously would have read that anyway. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after this scene, we go back to KACL. As you said earlier, we kind of get a few more tidbits that set up some of the dramatic irony later. And, you know, I do think it's a pretty good use of KACL here. The disconnected pun, you know, Ted's feeling a little disconnected. Obviously, we know this is coming a mile off every time now, but the first time I can only assume seeing that pun, that's really good. It's just brilliant. I mean, just to see her hit the button and it's just, oh, oh and just panic. She stops. Get another one, get another one quickly. Honestly, just the dial tone as Fraser just slides <laughs> the volume up. And just like, mm. I just think that's so, so good. Um, you can't beat those kind of simple. Um, little visual or, or sound puns in this show. Um, I mean, Fraser's pretty scathing of Roz here. You know, he's like, you come in here looking ghoulish even for Halloween. Um, <laughs> she's not doing a great job, but there's no need to berate her appearance. You know, maybe she was just running late that morning. I don't think this I, is quite I, necessary. Yeah. I can only presume it. She hasn't had much sleep. She's been up all night worried about whether she's pregnant or not. Because exactly. when you first find out you're pregnant, you just don't suddenly turn into that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they exactly. really look like she's had flu for three weeks instead. Yeah, they really have. They might look like she's been up, sick, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's just, yeah, Fraser's really on a case and obviously softens when when he finds out that she could be pregnant. Um, you know, no one is more careful than her, but only the best contraception or birth control, as Americans would say. is 99.9. <laughs> and the line... <laughs> I can't beat those odds. I can't beat those odds. Um, just fantastic. So, so good. Um, Baldog comes in now and announces that he's going to be uh, to be Waldo or Wally, as we call him over here. Smack, does he does he smack Fraser on the forehead when he says this? Does he hit him with the book or something? I can't, I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. I just love the fact that he says he's in 16 books. 16, I mean, it's not... 
<laughs> you call yourself well read you don't know who he is well i was yeah that line you call yourself well read i feel like in our in our years of talking that line has been said a lot <laughs> where like one of us doesn't know something <laughs> the book. You call yourself well read um i just think that's a fantastic line um and i think now we transition to the party don't we after case you know it's it's yeah, there i think the costume yeah. department on this episode must have had so much fun because it's yeah. lavish i did a bit of delving and diving around internet things as I sometimes do for the podcast to find out exactly how they would have tried to do this. The oh, only wow. thing I found out was that most of those extras have never appeared in Frasier before. Right. They came from a sort of like, you know, like a sort of an extra, uh, what am I saying, like a job centre, like BB would have found uh, an entertainment agency sort of thing. And what they do is if they had those costumes, they actually sometimes can order extras how strange is that? You don't order the costume for the person playing them. They actually order the people in. So we need someone who's five foot tall and three foot wide. because and has a Dracula costume. Yeah, and we because and, we've got this Dracula costume to fit this person. Right. Yeah, nine foot tall and 13. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And size of this and size of that. And then they fit the costume to the person coming in because it's easier but to get the costumes and then try and fit the people in rather than getting 20 people to be in the background and going, right, we need a Dracula costume that's going to fit someone who's nine foot tall. So they actually tried to get the cast members in to fit the costumes they had, which is, for me, must have been a hell of a day mm. to try and get those people into those costumes. But, I mean, yeah. they're fantastic. I think the whole the whole party just looks absolutely amazing. Everyone there looks amazing. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's so well done. Just the, the whole crowd, you can see all these different characters. You can see... It's already, it's already colourful and everything's popping and also just looks like it'd be a great party to go to. The Montana is like the ultimate party pad. You've got like this huge kind of living space where people can gather and, and mingle. But then you've kind of got those those nice kind of other level other levels where people can escape from the throng of the party to, to talk yeah. on the little landings and the staircase. And yeah, it's so good. I think the, uh, the, the table we've been fond of in the past on that little set, it looked like the table wasn't there. I don't know if, I, I don't know if you noticed it. it I completely miss that string quartet or someone playing a violin or a cello in that corner but wow. the table was still there and they'd been sat next to it or if the table had been removed but it looked like there was some sort of string quartet which again is just something more lavish for Niles to have isn't it you know, obviously strings in the corner and and that's the, so good and the whole place is full of books obviously it's a library benefit for a charity so it kind of works doesn't it all the books in the background with Niles and and again, he's serving grog and mead. Do you know what I mean? To try yeah. it. I, I don't know why he's picked a period drink like that for library. That's a really good point, actually. Like, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, why <laughs> grog and mead? They're not they're doing medieval literature. It's, you know, it's it's, it's any time literature. I don't think Wally or Waldo drinks mead. Um, you know, presumably just drinks water like the rest of us. Whatever blends in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I hadn't noticed about the string quartet. That's really cool, actually. Um, and yeah, if if he has moved the table the montana's big it's not big enough to to relocate the table anywhere that we wouldn't see and you well, can take that, it upstairs you've got that practical crawl space right upstairs you know it's got three roofs above him it could practically go a crawl space <laughs> um so yeah really really good observations there um the bald soprano gets referenced now as you said at the beginning this is when, <laughs> when, that today. Uh, when maris is having a, a kind of hair crisis over the phone I don't know how familiar you are with The Bald Soprano. I've not seen it performed or anything, but I've read up about it and I've seen clips of student dramas performing it, student yeah. troops. It's absolutely insane. 
Really? Um, I've, I've, I've no idea what it's about at all. I mean, for listeners that don't know me, I have not a hair on my head, which is why I use that to make Will laugh more than anyone, really. Yeah. Um, but obviously it was a good reference to use. But um, yeah, I have no idea what it's about, who it's by or anything. It was literally just the fact that Niles picked that for Maris after the, 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 the brilliant line of, how much hair have you got left? <laughs> well, there is the bald soprano. Why don't you go down to the wig vault? I mean, there's 37 there. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. Um, it's just, yeah. So uh, let me just read a little bit from the Wikipedia page here from um, the bald soprano. So it's from Eugene Ionesco. Um, I believe, yeah, it's the first player written by a Romanian French playwright Ionesco. Um, it holds the world record for the play that has been staged continuously in the same theatre for the longest time. Although it went unnoticed at first, the play was eventually championed by a few established writers and critics, and in the end, won critical acc uh, acclaim. Um, it's considered a modern classic in the theatre of the absurd. It's it's so hard to explain, um, but it's essentially about like two couples that are like having each other over for dinner, and mm. they kind of just lose their minds um, in trying to like one up each other and. Um, yeah, telling each other funny, weird stories and stuff. It's really strange. And if you Almost see people at a crane boys dinner party, doesn't it? Really, it, honestly, if you see people performing <laughs> this, it, you'll be like, I never want to see drama performed again because, like, wow. this is insane. But uh, that's the board soprano. So there you go. I wonder if it's got a, a performance somewhere on YouTube. It must have. I'm, oh, I'm, there'll be there'll one out there. Very interesting um, to watch. I saw a mutual friend and their dramatic troupe from a, a, a university in this country performing bits of it over Zoom during lockdown. Um, <laughs> wasn't an enjoyable experience, <laughs> uh, but I couldn't help going back and, and watching clips because it was just it was in, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, grog or mead, which does taste the most like beer? If we had to, if we had to pick one. Do you know what? I, I said to Elle earlier, my other half. I said, uh, "Grog and mead aren't they both like beer?" And she went. Well, no, one of them, she gave me two different descriptions. I said, well, Wikipedia actually says one's quite like medieval beer and the other one's a little bit like medieval beer. In fact, they're both quite similar in some respects. <laughs> I thought mead was. She said, yeah, one of them's got hops in and yeah, it's quite beer. I said, so really, what's the actual difference? So what I've just Googled, because um, when, when, when I asked that, I genuinely was asking in the abstract. I didn't, I didn't have an answer prepared. But I've just exactly. <laughs> so mead is fermented honey. Um, grog is a hot drink with rum and water and usually spices and or citrus. Um, I've had mead before um, and it was pretty delicious. It was very sweet and as you would expect. And yeah, quite nice. Um, but there you go. There's, I mean, you'd probably you'd be indifferent at that part. You'd have both. To me, it just sounds like Foster's the amber nectar. You know what I mean? It's that honey sort of, yeah, and then yeah. obviously developed over time into beer. But well, I'm probably wrong on that. So <laughs> they both well, sound like beer still to me. <laughs> they all sound like beer to me as well. So there you go. Um, Roz enters now, dressed as O. We have the first line from Camille Grammer. What an interesting costume. Um, she's gonna, <laughs> gonna go out and live and say she doesn't have a. She didn't go to Rada. Um, just to, to study acting because she's pretty poor in this episode. I thought I thought it was really disappointing she wasn't in an extra episode, so I could give her actor of the week. But unfortunately, <laughs> you're not going to make it. She, um, she is precluded from this week's selection. You know what? I mean, I, I believe the story behind this is she actually begged Kelsey to get her an acting part on the show, and this really? is shoehorned her into a part, which thankfully she never came back for. Um, I mean, can you imagine she'd have been one of the dating girlfriends of Kelsey or, well, of Fraser at the point? So I believe that's the story behind it. She was desperate to get into acting. 
Um, right. And he thought, well, Kelsey's famous. Let me let me get him to get me a part. And obviously, I presume the producers have okayed it because he was married to her at the time. She's put on this stellar performance, obviously. <laughs> um, got If you look at any review on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, etc., every single review of this episode brings her up and says, basically... I'd have given this episode 10 out of 10. However, Mrs. Grammar at the time has brought it down to three because her performance was absolutely dire. No one's got a positive thing to say about her. A couple of people said she's quite attractive and striking. We can see why Frasier as a character would look at her. I guess so. That's maybe a little bit unnecessary. Misogynistic, maybe. (laughs) The less said about Camille Grammar, really, in this episode is probably the better. Some some really, yeah, some really choice, some really choice (laughs) delivery of of lines here, which we fair, I was being quite nice. (laughs) Yeah, we'll probably get to a few more. Um, I mean, a fantastic delivery from uh, a Frasier veteran, Gil Chesterton now. What a delectable medley of from Marjan Splendor. Mm. She's it. <laughs> She's it. Um, just fantastic. And for the longest time, friends and I, um, mutual friends that love Frasier, whenever we had anything with cheese on, we would go, mm, she's it. Um, just, yeah, he has some phenomenal lines here. We're reminded again and again, why isn't Gil in more episodes? He's phenomenal. Gil is outstanding in that, but it does bring me on to a point I have to make the, the, the joke when he says, and who might you be? And he says, I'm Jinjach. I can't even say it half the time. Jinjach Cook. I'm the last of the Mohicans. Martin then obviously very much points out that Gil's gay by yes. saying, well, that's another little mystery solved, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, which is a fantastic line. Let's let's be very, real. very clever. However, Gil still hasn't actually come out at this point, has he? He's got no. dead heart-shaped bed and she's not a cat and she's not a cat he hasn't been seen going into bad billies i thought it was such a good dig by martin and the writers just to get that in there well that's another little mystery solved and obviously with him being sherlock works so well again just brilliant oh i never i never even thought of that that's another little martin solving the mystery (laughs) i'd never even thought i just thought it was a really funny line oh that's the mystery of why you the last the mohicans not like i am sherlock solving this mystery that that's that makes it even funnier. This is why I love this episode, and that's why I love that piece. I don't, I don't necessarily like the dig at Gil being gay. No, of course not. You know, it's but it's, it's the funny same because time, Martin's obviously of his generation, but it but is it's obviously homophobic. It is, but Gil's given away so many things in the past. I remember when when Martin says, "Oh, uh, I like your entrance." Oh, you've heard my show? Uh, no, was it? I like your. You put on quite a show. You put on quite a performance. Oh, yeah. you've heard my show? No, I meant coming through the door. Go through the door. Yeah, <laughs> Martin's never loved the kind of campness that Gil brings. I think he's always really hinted at that, hasn't it? And mm. and several things. But yeah, I mean, what a moment! Like I say, I love both jokes. I just think it's brilliant with the mystery being solved and the last of the Mohicans. It's just again, like I say over-the-top brilliant writing by yeah. like, it Suzanne Martin. Obviously, we'll have the help from probably the other people, but what, what a great line to put in an episode. Yeah, incredible to writing. Think of that, to, to have this party and think of these lines, again, as you've said in the past with episodes, do they come up with the jokes and then fit the storyline around it? Does someone hmm. say, you know what, that'd be really funny? Or yeah. Someone said, who are we going to make Gil? Well, making the last of the Mohicans, we can get a gay joke in here. Yeah. I mean, where have you built that up? Or is it we've made him that and then we can get some jokes in? It's, it's very clever. The writing the writing process must come around somehow. I, I would never know where to start writing an episode like this. Yeah, I know. Did you say the name of the writer was Suzanne Martin? Suzanne Martin. So. Yeah. So major kudos to her because it's, it's a fantastic Got to find more episodes episode. by her and see if they compare. 
Yeah, so, so good. Um, now we have the confusion between Daphne and Frasier. Daphne thinks Roz has been in a car accident. Of course, she hasn't. It was one of those real wham-bam numbers. Um, just, you know, some phenomenal double entendres here as, as wires yeah. get crossed. and She'd been rear-ended back in Manchester. It happened, you know, once a week with the lads and they were always drunk on a Friday. <laughs> it must have happened, you know, at least a dozen times. Frasier, really? I, I mean, really? It just can't believe what he's hearing. Um, it's just, yeah, this this is done so well. Again, we're kind of like Frasier. Maybe he would ask more pointed questions like, you know, well, I don't know, inquiring about the well-being of her or her her previous children, but obviously he never quite says that because then it ruins the farce. Um, but it's some some really good stuff's happening here. Um, Daphne obviously gets upset now with Fraser in the kitchen, so he, he drags her in to talk about the fact that she's you know Ros knows words got around, and she kind of says, "Don't worry, I'll protect your reputation and stuff." Again, who should be at the door? It's Niles. That just the, his nose all bent out of shape. What's your nose bent out of shape for? <laughs> uh, just some some really good some really good lines there, and also just great that Nas has this door, this like kitchen style door, restaurant door that comes back and forth because now it actually has a purpose to smack his nose. Again, um, we, again, we I mean we we see it in To Kill a Talking Bird, don't we? When they open that door, but never in the same way as we see it today, mm. where he is literally swinging backwards and forwards violently to do that. Yeah. Very much the same as the innkeepers, isn't it? The whole in outdoor and the, and people getting hit. It brings that farcical comedy back into it to get someone hit with a swinging door. It's it's very much like Faulty Towers with <clears throat> excuse me with Manuel. Do you know what I mean? Getting hit with doors and spanked with saucepans, etc. In a kitchen, bringing that sort of slapstick area. It's always in a kitchen. Yeah, always seems to be slapstick stuff around a kitchen with these. So shows. true. So true. Um, taking the the kitchen theme a little further. When the children come to the to the door and a few of them get crab puffs, can you remember what Dracula gets? Oh, sure. No, I can't. This I can't. should have been a trivia question. I'm gutted no one asked this. <laughs> and it's an pate for Dracula. <laughs> so Dracula gets pate. Um, I absolutely love pate. I really do. I should say I've never had, nor would I probably eat foie gras because it is, you know, ethically a bit ambiguous. Um, by ambiguous, I mean not the best in the world. But um, pate normal is, is is pretty is pretty chill from what I know. Do you know um, what? I don't know. I don't know when it was. Me and you have had this conversation before, and I did say I have had foie gras. I, I think I do remember. I did that. enjoy it. I um, have no yeah. doubt. I would find it absolutely delicious. Um, <laughs> it just does. I, I couldn't eat that in good conscience. Oh, you've got your ethics. Um, so, you know, maybe foie gras would give me, you know, illegal in 48 states kind of passion. Uh, who knows? But, you know, I probably I probably will avoid that, that uh, particular snack. Um, now, my favourite, and probably by favourite, I mean the cringiest, worst line of the of the episode, but I love it, is Frasier. And to think after all that time, your cat was just killed in your sock drawer. They're almost human, aren't they? One what what human curls up in a sock drawer and <laughs> and two the delivery is just incredible but none of this makes sense just the only it. the only humans i've ever seen in a sock drawer are when in seinfeld when kramer has people living in drawers because the drawers get delivered and they're so big i think he has three chinese people living in drawers oh my god oh. i've never i've not <laughs> seen that it's a really wacky episode but yeah kramer gets the delivery of this massive chest of drawers and uh, it's so big that he's actually it's not 
I'm sure it's Chinese, not Cubans, but he has three three people living in a chest of drawers in his apartment. As, um, in, like, as in like a triple bunk bed type thing. Yeah, so I have seen, or it's like Huey, Dewey and Louie of DuckTales. Um, yeah. So I have seen people living in a chest of drawers, but only in another sitcom. But yeah, when he says they're almost human, like you say, I always think, are they? Are oh, they <laughs> really human? Just humans it, right? do, um, but it, it's still a really funny line because Fraser is once again horny as hell. He's on the hunt. Um, you know, he's he's trying to get the number of uh, of Camille here. Um, and answer this: Was there a book about Lady Godiva? I thought she was a real person, wasn't she? Was there a book? Because his first guess is, who are you, Lady Godiva? Really good point. Yeah, Lady Godiva is a historic figure. She's not a character from literature. Um, even if there was like a non-fiction book written about her, she wouldn't classify because that's not <laughs> literature. Um, so yeah, really good point. That why did Brady they get... know that? Surely he could have guessed like any like Greek goddess or something because she she's got like a nymph thing going on. Yeah. Um, she doesn't really look like Lady Godiva. She could look like Aphrodite or something, but for some reason he goes with the one thing that's not in literature but well, the one person who's naked i suppose so yeah so the easy the easy option there um nars opening the door again what is it with all you children <laughs> dr great it's me dr i can't remember his name cronus or something i thought it was Kov- kovlar or something like that it's a very strange little strange no oh this must be here. your lovely wife x i don't know her <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is so so good the way he just kind of shuffles into the room like, i don't know her i presume he's got has he got like really big herman munster style shoes on you never see his feet but you're right he shuffles in he doesn't walk in yeah, I don't think we see like his lower half. So is he um, a fully normal? I can't think of the word. Is he a little person? I think I think he must. Yeah, have like, dwarfism, dwarfism or something. Or is he a normal person on his knees? Because the way that guy walks in doesn't look normal. It, it, it is a shuffle. It's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, one to, <laughs> one to look up there. Um, we have this line now from uh, from Martin of saying she's no Sunday girl, Sunday school teacher. Um, for about Roz here. Um, just another another classic mild <laughs> dose of slut shaming that Roz gets pretty much every episode here. I mean, O is what is an erotic novel, I think. Um, erotic novel, I believe. O is a submissive, and she has about twelve uh, like dominant males who take her out for the evenings. I see. There we go. Oh, so, yeah, so it, when Martin says she's <laughs> when Martin says she's been around the block a few times. Yes, Literally. maybe O has. Um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe he doesn't quite need to say that about Roz, um, who he <laughs> is friends with. Um, and now Niles is obviously getting more and more drunk and uh, he's kind of revealing to Martin what he's going to do. He, he's going to propose to Daphne because Frasier has, has abandoned her. Um, Martin thinks he's all about Roz. It's like, you know, I didn't even know you liked her. Yes, <laughs> I wore that mask well. <laughs> On the fact he's wearing the prosthetic nose when he says that, like a mask. What a line there. So it's, it's brilliant in loads of different ways, isn't it? Because obviously it's a bit Pinocchio-esque as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean? The long nose, Niles is not lying, but obviously there's non-truths being told a bit in this. So I think mm. it's kind of it works a few different ways. Have you ever on the on the Serrano de Berger acting, have you ever seen the film Roxanne with Steve Martin in? Around the same time, I have not. It's kind of a modern adaptation of of Serrano de Bergerac. Mm. Steve Martin. <laughs> this is in the nineties, and he's in the normal world. He's in the nineties, but he still has the long nose. It's worth watching because it's obviously a comedy with Steve Martin in it. 
but it is like an adaptation, I think, of that story. A bit like when they did Romeo and Juliet and brought it into modern times. And, I love uh, that film. It, what's the other one? The um, Is it The Taming of the Shrew, which was made into the uh, Heath Ledger film, Ten Things I Ten Hate, things about, I hate you. about You? Yeah. Which I think is an absolutely brilliant film as well. So mm. the 90s and late 90s were very good for taking some classic stories and really trying to reinvent them and bring them into sort of current times. Well, not current now, it's 30 years ago, but... Do you know what I mean? The, the 90s was very, very good at doing that. Like I say, Steve Martin, I believe the film's Roxanne, but it's worth a watch. He's quite funny. So, But it, yeah. it doesn't actually help me with the story of Bergerac. <laughs> Put my um, mic onto my lap there. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's, uh, I think, no, that sounds like a really good film. I mean, I love Steve Martin, um, but I've not, I've not seen that. I didn't, I didn't even, I don't know anything about Cyrano and the story and the fact that he has a giant nose um no i i, I haven't seen the film in I'm, so i'm long. assuming no, that is canon that is that is the you know part of the story and that's not just the yeah. embellishment here but uh yeah they're almost human aren't they um so one of my favorite probably my favorite line actually is it my favorite i've already said this about five times what does what does gil now say when he's had the the hors d'oeuvre mishap on the persian rug um what should we call him well, if you cast your mind back to October 2021, Will. <laughs> yes. You will remember that I greeted you with trick or treat, or should I say pip pip, and John Beale greeted you with... Just call me. me fumbles with crab puffs. Fumbles with crab puffs. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And also worth noting, I don't know what episode it's in, um, whether we've been there, or I feel like we might have already reviewed this. Or, uh, Frasier makes the same joke about Niles. I think he calls him waltzes with snobs. Yeah. Um, so we, we have this basically they're both playing on dances with wolves um, that's the uh, home down hoe down for the homeless event isn't it and he's, he says oh, i don't get invited to everything he was is it the luau for lupus and something? luau for lupus uh, yeah. i think we have gone through that i might not have done it but i think you have gone past that now i think we have um so really really interesting that this is kind of used a couple of times it's kind of you know typical native american um kind of what's the word nomenclature um, yeah. and also the, the the dances with wolves is the obvious uh, reference there as well with with mentioning the fumbles with crab puffs do you realize this is an episode where there's a mishap with what Niles's rug because obviously Gil says oh you need your rug cleaned just call me fumbles with crab puffs and obviously Roz is pregnant so there's an episode coming up spoiler alert if you want to skip over this for a few seconds to anyone who hasn't seen the episode when Roz goes into labor She's also at one of Niles's parties and she ruins a rug. Oh my God, really good point. Yeah. So, so it's full circle at some point that Ros comes back to the apartment at a party and a water's break and it's, oh my God, what's all over my rug, says Niles as he comes running back in. Yeah. Niles inviting the KCL lot to his house. Seems it, to you probably be... shouldn't keep doing yeah. that. <laughs> don't just, just put plastic down, put tarp down instead of your rugs. Take the rugs up where they don't um, belong. <laughs> yeah. Niles begins his proposal now in the kitchen. Daphne has no idea, obviously, so she kind of leaves him and he kind of stumbles out into the party. And um, the, the whole dramatic R in this episode kind of comes to a head. Fraser's like, Niles, will you make a total ass of yourself? Oh, you drunken imbecile. You know, well, you that coward. Brings up, that brings you... up one of the best lines for me is Niles when he says, you're drunk, drunk like a fox. Drunk like a fox. Um, I just, think, I, I hear that line. I think of Homer Simpson, you're like crazy like a fox, which is obviously, I think, I think that's the saying, um, but it's just drunk like a fox. It's just, yeah, he's just lost the plot, hasn't he? And everything kind of comes to a head. The proposal doesn't really get off the ground because it all comes out and we have this really great dramatic 
cliffhanger from Roz. And I'm glad she doesn't say anything. She just nods because I think it would have been like, you know, yeah, I'm pregnant or something. It just kind of would have been too on the nose, but she just nods because she's speechless. Really sweet ending with Ross. I mean, the fact that Fraser's shouting, obviously you've got Niles and uh, just to go back a few seconds, you've got Niles when he says, we've got proof. And Fraser says, from here, it smells like 80 proof. 80 proof. Um, It's the fact that he says, we don't even know if Ros is pregnant. He shouts that. And the way she slowly, it gives me chills the way she walks in and just goes, we do now. Yeah. And to be continued. And I think this is where, going back to when we had that conversation with Hamish the other day, and he said, is this a two-parter? Kind of, I can see why he's now done that. I hadn't watched the episode at the point he mentioned. I was like, no, 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 it's, it's one part. It's Halloween. It's just one part. The next one's the kid, I believe. And he went, are you sure it's not two-parter? Technically, he's right. I will I'll give him that because it is to be continued, but it's not called Halloween part two. Yeah, uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's like it's on my disc as two separate episodes yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but it is it does end on a cliffhanger, so you can very much call it a two-parter if you want to. I think it's a, um, it's a clever ending and it definitely does make you go, Well, I've got to watch next week. You know, yeah, we know yeah. that she's pregnant now, what do we do? Um, but yeah, I, I just think that, like I say, it's a really chilling moment. I mean, I have to go back as well to also point out how amazing, and I mean amazing, Perry Gilpin actually looks in this episode. And I don't mean what she's wearing. I mean, her hair, I actually think looks stunning. Really? They really ramped up Perry for this. To bring her into that party looking that way and for her to perform like that. I mean, when someone says, have you got this? And she says, if you don't see it, <laughs> I, haven't. I, don't, I haven't got it. <laughs> Um, again, lending herself well to that outfit. But I just think, yeah, as an actress, she looks absolutely stunning in this episode. And I think she plays that part very well and, and takes a lot of heat for how she's dressed by the other actors and mm. obviously the lines they're throwing out. So, Is this episode in your top 10, Steve? Dun, dun, dun. It is. Oh, my God, really? Oh, that's awesome. An episode for me. That's absolutely absolutely awesome. I've had to kind of play it down because I didn't want to give it away. When no, I you, you haven't given it away. I was like, do you know what? I'm really excited about uh, recording tonight. And uh, yeah, it is my first top 10 I think I've actually reviewed. Oh, We man. know I've had others in the past, but yeah. So my, glad that you got to review it. That's awesome. It is in mine. Yeah, I'm very pleased actually. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think I, I can't fault it as an episode. I love the two short scenes at the start and I love how the party just builds. You know, I'm a fan of farce. You know, I'm a fan of the misinterpreting, uh, misinterpretation of, of lines mm-hmm. and how stories build like that. And I think for a Fraser episode, they've got so many great lines to bring back to each other. Like I say, the Gill thing and, and just... Um, my juicy wench, ye oldie laugh right. I think it's a really quotable episode, and it's yeah. full of non-Fraser lines, if that makes sense. A lot of yeah. stupid quotes from how they're acting as their characters, not acting as themselves in yeah. the show, if that makes sense. They're all yeah. they're acting as actors inside the show, and I think that's what makes it a little bit more exciting. That it's just something different, isn't it? And like I say, it's it's just I think it's a brilliant, brilliant comedy episode. So. Really, really lovely summary. I have nothing to add. It's not in my top 10, but I'm very fond of this episode. It's one I've watched a lot. Again, a bit, a little bit like last week. It's one I'll, I'll kind of throw on. Um, although it is very much a cliffhanger at the end, it does, for me, up until that point, feel like a standalone. Yeah. Just a bit of fun, a bit of farce. Um, really, really tight. Uh, who have you gone for actor pick? Do you know what? I think I'm going to have to go with David Hyde Pierce this week. Mm. I think... 
just as Serrano de Bergerac, I think he's actually hilarious. I think the way Niles becomes more and more drunk, slightly aggressive, sort of just over the top. His his physical acting's good, but I think the way he delivers some of the lines, you know, drunk as a fox and all that. And I'm yeah, not this yeah. and I, I've got proof. And are you going to marry her? And I should marry her and all this. And how dare you leave her in that situation? I think the way he becomes more and more over the top and obviously acts that way as as, as drunk as he gets. I just think, yeah, it's David Hyde Pierce every day for me on that one. I have also gone for DHP. I've gone for Niles. Nothing again do I need to add. I think he's brilliant as as, as Cyrano Serrano. Um, yeah, and he just plays a drunken idiot so brilliantly well. Yeah, um, this is not the first time. Obviously, we see it in no. later episodes. We see it in Room Full of Heroes once again. Niles can't handle his liquor at uh, Halloween. It seems Christmas he's fine, but Halloween parties, Niles. Just literally lets himself go, doesn't he? He lets himself go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely got him down there as well. So uh, some really good justification there, Steve. Kenley Burling on Man on the Ground. Who is his favourite character from literature, do we think? If he was invited to the Montana to dress up as a character from literature, who would he appear as? as I think you go with Tintin, you know. You got a Tintin vibe. Because in my good. head, Kennedy was always bald, but <laughs> do you see him with the Tintin quick... <laughs> Well, obviously, it's a it's a um, it's a wig. It, yeah, he's got a, he's got a wig vault, hasn't he? He's got a wig vault. Um, I could see him as a very mean Van Helsing to the Dracula that was already present here. I can see him in the full leather, the big hat, the crossbow. I'm trying to think of other weapons that Van Helsing has. Um, but yeah, Kenny Burling, listeners, let us know who would he come to your Halloween party dressed as. Actually, quite um, Martin didn't go as Tintin, isn't it? He? he couldn't take an Eddie, but um, oh yeah. Eddie, who I don't actually believe appears in this episode, even. I don't think very, I've... very good. Point. Unless he's in the 1901, sort of in the background sleeping. I don't see Moose at all. No, that's a really, really good point. Um, it's a rare one where he sits out. All that remains this week, Steve, is to play Who's Crane Is It Anyway? Um, where I ask you a phrase, or more often than not, a word um, that's only used once in this episode. This week, it's just one word it's iffy. Who uses the word iffy? It's only used once. Uh, Apologies, by the way, if you can hear my door. Hold on a second. No, no, I can't hear any sounds. Well, there is now a breeze in here. The door is just slowly opening and closing itself. Um, Iffy, I want to say Daphne, in the context that she's at the party and her eyelashes have gone wrong and she says it's a bit iffy. I don't know. It's a good guess. It's a good justification. I was looking for Roz. Fraser says, pregnant? Well, I don't know for sure. I took one of those home tests and it was kind of iffy. So I went to see my doctor and he's going to call me with the results. Of course. There we are. So well done if you got that at home, um, because who's crying it anyway is always ridiculously hard and unforgiving. Beats me me week after week. Well, I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's a stupid concept, but it's for people who just like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick words that are like I only use once that have a bit of a unique flavor to them. So for some people listening, they'll just stand out in that line. Um, Shall we jump over to listen now this week? Yes. Well, let's get over there. Right. I will, uh, do you want me to send you the, the link on Facebook? Yeah, if you could. Okay, there you are. Let me know when you've got that loaded and I'll uh, I'll get going. I'm sorted by uh, top my comments, as yeah. usual, Into the... which means little Bobby Briscoe is first. Did we have his last week? Uh, yes, we did. Um, 
Has he added anything? I don't know if you can see has he added anything or not. Hmm. <laughs> By the way, note to yourself to edit all this crap out. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry, I do. <laughs> um, we've got the fun bits. Um, I, can't, I think... Uh, yeah. I think I think everyone... No, I think everyone here, except little Bobby Briscoe, is new. Um, I think Bobby uploaded very quickly after last... Yeah, so I will read. I'll, I'll, uh, we'll just start from Cam Winston, and I'll, I'll read Hamish's because I'm not reading Killer B saying, "Do you act it out or just talk about it?" So you've missed uh, Paul Mushuga on me though. Yeah, I think we did read that one out. Oh, okay, um, maybe yeah. we didn't. Maybe we didn't. I'll read that out. Then you do Hammy. Okay, listener mail this week. Opening is Paul Mushuga on me. Whose, whose flair on Reddit is, I'm not gay, Gee. I just want to flag that up. <laughs> um, I always die when Daphne makes that face and Fraser says, look, two glasses, one for you, one for her. That proves this. Uh, <laughs> just phenomenal. Such a brilliant uh, face and delivery from Jane Leaves there. Thank well, you. We did have fun much. with that last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, next up, Cam Winston. Lads, firstly, Villa, week one of the English Premier League. Whoops, not the best start, but 37 rounds to go. Mm. I think that's a big you there, Will. Yeah, but we won last week. No, we won this week, so it's okay. One, one last one win. Right, he continues. Right, previously you debated the pronunciation of charade. Is it charade or charade? charade? <laughs> if that makes sense, in, oh, hammer, you do this every week, in somewhere in New Zealand that I'm not going to try and pronounce. Aotearoa, I don't know. Come on, lads, pronounce that one. I know you can. You know <laughs> what? I know we can't. We pronounce it. Right, is he going for charades there or charades? This is very hard to read. I, I think his phonetic spelling there is meant to be charades, um, yeah. but it's not clear. <laughs> but then again, the Kiwi accent is kind of bland. Secondly, I do find it worse in Niles' absence when the video's Daphne. Oh, yeah, sorry, Niles' instance when he videos Daphne asleep in the Winnebago. Compared to Fraser trying to photograph Kelly, Niles' intentions were pure lust and obsession. Fraser just wanted to prove his story. Either way, both instances for me were really cringy. Very Don't true. Worry. Yeah, we agree. Uh, finally, Halloween has to be one of the best episodes. He is most definitely in my top 10. Hey, Amy, well done, boy. Cue the klaxon. <laughs> <laughs> I love the physical acting throughout, and Niles dresses Serrano de Bergerac cracks me up every time. I don't know how the others acted opposite him with that beautiful nose implant, maybe <laughs> channeling his inner Steve and or Paula Garrett. Speaking of the link here, how Ros announces her pregnancy in both hilarious and a little sad. It is. Anyway, peace, and as always, hashtag up the villa, Hammy. Ham Winston. Excellent, excellent stuff. Trapper1983 says, Hey guys, Villa fan from Down Under. Love your show. Only found it a few weeks ago and been trying like hell to catch up. Glad to say I have just in time for my favourite episode, The Gift Horse. Keep up the great work. Lovely stuff. Welcome aboard, Trapper1983. Next up, we have MK. So, Corey. Oh, I don't even want to read the start of this because I know I owe an apology for this. (laughs) Potatoes, slippers, toughest questioner of Will stats. I swear I'm just going to remain quiet because it's your turn to apologise. <laughs> Corey, publicly, I apologise for saying that the question about who gives Will the hardest time on uh, Trivia Corner was by someone else, and it was, in fact, by dear Corey. Our beloved MK. So, public apology for that. Never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trivia and fun bits for Halloween. I'm getting on to the next bit now. My favourite time of year, which we've already mentioned, a baby sighting, 
though she has no lines. So is that guest starring, starring or special guest? Very yeah, good. He does appear, but yeah, there's no good but stupid as we've mentioned. Stupid. Uh, Niall says he's just serving grog and mead, but has a lot of champagne freely flowing as we. Mm, uh, yes. Right. Uh, in the episode's climax, right after Nars proposes and Fraser says Daphne isn't pregnant, Roz is, we cut to a wide shot of the whole party. If you look up the stairs, you can see Perry make an accidental early entrance. Really, really great. And because I'd already seen that ahead of time, I did I did catch it. And I just that is the kind of detail that I never find and, and Corey teases out for us. You get so. the feeling she sort of walk, does she walk out and the producer's like, get back. She's kind of like just like halfway lurking around the top of the stairs at the door as if to say, oh, this is my bit and then she goes back uh waiting for her line that's yeah same but well caught Corey. uh Niall says that last halloween marta beat a counterpiece with a uh, sorry centerpiece with a broom there is no halloween episode in season four but a lilith thanksgiving he is sad because it's his first thanksgiving without maris so when were the halloween festivities that marta would attend mm. that's uh very clever very and- good namesake of trivia master erica my juicy wench my juicy wench is part of the trivia so we we love to see that film common delighted says great episode again i'm so glad to be all caught up and able to activate activity participate since it was brought up in the season four recap my nickname comes from season 11 episode 18 match game when niles and daphne hire a, is that a doula yeah doula yeah a doula um around minute uh, 14. Fraser introduces the doula to Martin and thinks her name is Miss Finkelman Delighted. Oh, I'm having a total blank. What's a doula? Uh, the birthing partner, this sort That's of spiritual guy. Uh, and yeah. Her miss, her thinks her name is Miss Finkelman Delighted. That's so good. <laughs> As for slumber masks, my husband read Why We Sleep. And now, not only do the both of us wear slumber masks every night, but the kiddos have blackout curtains too. We recommend the read. I have seen this around a lot and I've been tempted to give it a read. Um, I am not a non-fiction person at all, but I am really interested in sleep and in particular dreams. Um, so I have been kind of skirting around this book for a little bit of a little bit of time. I'm looking forward to Halloween. I know it's in my top 10 and I haven't even yeah. made a formal list yet. This is a popular episode with listeners. So it actually seems that it's uh, you that's in the wrong, Will, and everyone else is right. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I am Finkelman humble. <laughs> um, but really, really great stuff. Thank you. And I believe, last but not least for you, Steve, is Supermodel Zoologist. <gasps> I really need to get a uh, cough button because I've been coughing quite a lot tonight. And this oh, is what it says, by the way, but I, uh, I don't have an <laughs> echoing cough that Clint Webber was uh, about. Uh, this is Supermodel Zoologist. And what did you call it? A flare. Have you actually yes. seen what Iguana Inseminator. Amazing. <laughs> love how everyone's joining in with this. Um, it says, love the episode, guys. I really enjoyed hearing Steve repeat Fraser's psychotic screed at the beginning. That might be my favourite line of the whole series, hence my username. Uh, so good. As for the episode as a whole, I think you're exactly right that Fraser is much creepier than normal. One of the enjoyable things about the series is that usually Fraser is just awkward enough. We all have embarrassing memories we never forget, but can always laugh at him and say, at least I'm not that bad. At the same time, he generally doesn't act too terribly, so we still sympathise with him. Here, on the other hand, I think we agree that he crashed through that boundary, which is a shame. I love the middle part of the episode where it's hilarious to watch his family think Kelly is all fiction, but his awful behaviour at the beginning and end is enough, I'm sad to say, to keep this episode out of my top ten. I even sometimes skip the beginning plane scene when re-watching. Oh, wow. I love that. that. Tough. I love these uh, confessions. <laughs> I'm American, and like others have said, I always say charade. 
As for slumber masks, I don't really use them, but the discussion reminded me about people I know who are big nappers and have used spare cloth COVID masks for that purpose. I may have even done so once or twice, but at home, not on a plane. Speaking of <laughs> planes, I love your idea of an episode on a plane. Yeah, that was my uh, my my episode idea, by the way. Boilerplate, boilerplate, boilerplate. Boilerplate, Rayla. Uh, <laughs> As long as Frasier stays on the right side of the awkward, creepy boundary. Mm. One last thing. Did you know that the Acapulco Philharmonic really does exist? According to their website, and there is a link on the Reddit, she's put the website. Sorry, I say she, I don't know that. Uh, They were founded in 1998, just a year after this episode aired. Maybe Roz inspired their creation. Amazing. Anyway, that's all for today. I've got to go check on some iguana eggs now. Well, I said one thing. All I can say is supermodel, supermodel zoologist is I hope you haven't put your eggs in one basket. Very, very good indeed. <laughs> uh, I'm just, no one else finds that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of like how good a script would be. Imagine all of the KACL lot I've got to fly to like some big CBS event where uh, it's like, I don't know, it's a national radio award. National radio awards, yeah. And they're like all on a plane. But um, Bulldog's trying to get into the Mile High Club, much to, uh, you know, much disappointment. Gil is like trying to review the airline food because it's terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, I just think there's so much you could do with that. Like, you know, Kenny's like keeps getting put in the wrong seat. Um, I just think what potential that has for a, for a, a what's the word, a bottle episode on a plane instantly you've made me think then it says to be continued and as it's called the national radio awards when they turn up they go to the wrong room for the nra and end up in a gun association oh my god which they're all creeped out by that they have to try and get out of this party but because they got the wrong invitation to the nra that is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. We've got another okay. bill, Mr. Carroll. <laughs> we have to watch this, uh, to write this rather. We have to. That is so, so good. Um, thank you, everyone who got in touch this week. So, so good to hear from you all. And the trivia was incredible as well. Thank you, Steve, for the trivia. Right, Next week is The Kid, the second part, if you will, to this kind of continuing the arc of Ross's pregnancy, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, man. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.